everyone, and welcome to another episode of Between Two Studs. I'm Alex Studd. And I'm Ron Studd. And Ron, for episode 48, the big 4-8. Tonight on the show, we have Mr. Josh Cruzan. How are you doing tonight? Fantastic. How are you guys? Doing great. Splendid. Thank you so much for, for joining the show, Josh. We have a lot of content to cover, um, but before we do, we always want to pay homage to both you, our guests, and to the official spirit of Between Two Studs, Malort, the beautiful, magnificent Malort. So to you, Josh, and to Malort, and to all of our listeners at home who are probably having a shot as well, cheers. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Josh, we've talked about this before. We actually people who listen to the show, we encourage them, uh, if they're over 21, that if they want to have a drink along while we while we do the show, it'll probably be more entertaining for them. That's right. It improves the experience. We just need to get like a medical doctor at some point on Alex so that we can have them verify that and say, endorsed by at least one doctor somewhere, right? Yeah, there is one doctor who, yeah, we'll, we'll find them. Next we'll find season, them. we'll try. We're not to bribe them. <laughs> although, although I should say this, and, and this is true, this drink, which uh, we'll, we'll get into a little bit more uh, at because it was it was presented, it was it was drank at at my wedding. This during prohibition, a variation of Malort was legal because the police in Chicago they were like, this has to be for medicinal purposes. No one would drink this for pleasure. <laughs> Uh, and that's actually a true story. Now, Malort is just—it's like a, a wormwood, isn't it? Isn't it made yes. of wormwood? Yes. Yes. Now, I know you were—you were—you were working uh, at the wedding, and I know we're going to get into it. But were you able to have a, have a have a small sip? I was too scared, of Alex. Malort? I was way too scared. <laughs> <laughs> you know, next time I'm in the Pittsburgh area, I'm going to bring you a bottle. Okay, that sounds so. great. All right, hey. Welcome to the Between Two Studs Ember Round. Josh, buckle up. You're into what we call the Ember Round. All right? You ready? I'm ready. All right. Question number one. Uh, kind of alluded to this a little bit, but what's the story? How how do you know the studs? Well, I know the studs because I DJed your wedding last year, and it was a fantastic group of people and a great time, and I'm glad that it ended up leading to this situation right here. Yeah, we well, you know, I don't even know, Josh, if you know this. That was like our fourth different date, I think. I didn't know you we guys were, had a couple of reschedules, yeah. I didn't know it was we, your fourth we, and we were originally going to get married downtown at the at the Westin. Oh, okay. And then we moved it back, and then we, we decided we wanted to be outdoors, and they didn't have the same date so then we moved the date and we were just so lucky that you were available uh and we'll talk a little bit more i'm sure about uh the business you work for but what an what an awesome wedding we had and music is to me such an important part of a wedding that so is, yes i'm just so thankful you were able to be on the show we we loved having you as our dj well thank you very much it was a great time so tell us a little bit about yourself what are your areas of interest so of, of course, music is a very big one. I'm a guitar player, primarily. Dabble with some other instruments. Picked up a turntable, DJ a little bit. And during the, we'll get into that a little bit more, but during the COVID era, I learned how to brew my own beer and wine. So that's been a, oh, cool. That's been a big part of my life recently. And of course, mm -hmm. I have a wife and two awesome kids upstairs. Awesome. That's my life. Awesome. So <laughs> it's your life in a nutshell. In a nutshell. That, that seems pretty good to me. <laughs> well, so speaking of your, your new hobby uh, of making beer and wine, what are you currently drinking? What am I currently drinking? I felt like it would be appropriate to pull out one of my new crisp summertime lagers that I made back in December. And I'm going to open it right this now. Is, this is yours. You made this. I made this, yes. This is a rice lager. It's about 4.5% alcohol. And it may not be carbonated yet, but I'm going to try. Because I just bottled it this <laughs> now, past week, and it is not carbonated okay. yet. No bubbles whatsoever. But that's well, okay. Well, hopefully there's some, there's some alcohol in there. Enough to taste good, yes. Yeah. That's what matters. Uh, 
So, so Ron and I used to make beer as well with our dad, like little five gallon batches of it. How, how, what's the quantity that you're making right now? Usually about five. Sometimes I'll do ten if it's something I know that will end up good. Yeah. You're making, yeah, yeah. And and where are you sourcing? You know, the the barley and the hops. Where are you going for that? Um, I get a lot of it from. There's actually a homebrew shop in a little town near me in Scottsdale. It's at Ace Hardware. And they sell a whole bunch of different kinds of malts, specialty malts, hot inside the Ace, inside the Ace Hardware. Yes. Oh, that's, that's cool. It is. It is very cool. And every once in a while, I also work at a brewery called uh, okay. Quinn Brewery in Irwin. They make very good beer there. They'll throw you know a bag of malt my way and whatnot. So nice. Ends up being cheaper in the, in the long run for me just to make my own beer instead of buying a case. And with that too. Where where do you get your yeast too? I'm curious. The yeast is also from Ace Hardware. If it's something special, I'll get it off of morebeer.com or Northern Brewer, something like that online. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things. So Ron and I, when we when we used to make batches of beer, one of the things that I quickly came to appreciate is just how difficult it is to replicate the same beer. That that like I. I had no idea. Like I, you know, I always used to poo-poo on like Budweiser and Coors and Miller, but like I don't I don't care if you're making piss. If you can make that much beer and it's consistently year over year, time and time again, the exact same flavor, that's incredible. That's exactly right. I, I think that that is what makes you a good brewer is, is consistency. Especially if you have totally. a small brewery operation going on if you have something different every time you're not going to keep your customers there yeah yeah no it's spot on but i just remember ron and i we'd be like oh that was i remember we made like a like a pear ipa i think we called it paradise or something like that (laughs) and and i remember it being so good and i was like there's no way i could replicate this there's no way if i tried to use the same ingredients again it would be probably good but a totally different beer i just knew it yeah, so, true. Now, when you guys made beer, did you use extract or did you actually use your malts and stuff like that? We did extracts, okay. the liquid extracts. I've, I've been wanting to try that because I, I completely skipped that part and dove right into the, the, really? the malt area. Yeah, Good for you. Cause yeah, I was going to say. For our listeners at home, right? So when you get the malts, you're actually having to deal with cracking up the grains. You're getting them. Uh, you have to let them germinate a little bit, right? Whereas if you're doing the malt extract, you're more or less just buying, you know, some degree of goop of essentially where it's a lot of the sugar already uh, from the grains itself. And then you just kind of pour it in. And it's obviously a little bit more than that. But when you're doing it uh, purely from the grains itself, it's definitely a lot of work. So that's awesome that that's the step you, step you actually skipped uh, from starting. <laughs> I'm impressed. I think a lot of people did that during the, the COVID times just because you needed something to do. and Yeah. When you're diving in, you might as well just dive right in. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. So, Ron, what are you working on right now? So tonight I'm having something called uh, New Riff. It's a bourbon uh, from Kentucky. Uh, it's a Kentucky straight whiskey, and uh, it's, it's it's pretty nice. I haven't. This is my first time trying it. I like the bottle just because I haven't really seen too many bottles that have this, you know, kind of translucent and then it kind of turns opaque. And it's kind of got a kind of kind of cool look to it. So, what about you, Alex? Well, I wanted to find, and I ran out of it, Super Punch on Amico, one of my favorite mm. Pittsburgh drinks. I didn't have any in stock, but Josh, for you, I, I, I wanted to still pay tribute to Western Pennsylvania. I've, I've had this on the show before, but Wiggle. There you go. Uh, an excellent, excellent bourbon uh, that when, every time I drink it, and I've said this on the program before, I feel like this is what real bourbon was before obviously uh, the um the, the exodus to kentucky right during the whiskey rebellion in the 1790s so anyway that's my little bit of pittsburgh in my drink for you very nice thank you <laughs> yeah uh so next question i, I gotta say this is this is a, a fan favorite we always ask our guests this question is what's a piece of art it can be anything right Art can be a song, a movie, a book, a painting, something that speaks to you or represents you in some way. What is it for you? I thought about this a little bit, and um, have you guys ever seen the meme where the dog is sitting down at a table, 
having a cup of coffee and the entire house is burning down around him. Yes, yes. This is all right. It's fine. The only thing yeah. I could come up with, but I think I think that represents me. That's your life. My life. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, you know, you gotta you gotta just laugh at that, right? You did. So I guess that's good, right? That's right. Yes. All right. No, I love that. Um, Because I feel like in some ways, too, it kind of just it simplifies things down, but it's so deep when it comes to it as well. Like, you know, sometimes you are just kind of the calm center of everything and you're just watching everything kind of effectively burn around you. And you're just like, "Eh, I just need to become one with the chaos and just kind of deal with it. Or maybe I'm even looking into it a little bit too much, but I always enjoy seeing that meme. So It, it, it feels it feels natural. It feels like that's what's going on. Every day, especially yeah. with two kids at home. I bet. Yes. What are your What are the kids' ages? Uh, Oliver is nine, and Miles is two. Oh, nice. They're a handful. That had to have been fun during the pandemic with them. I'm sure it was. It was a good opportunity to sit down and get to know them and and really get a close relationship with them. Yeah, well, very nice. All right. Well, speaking of, or possibly related to our next question. Uh, name one way that COVID has positively impacted you, hopefully. Positively impacted, I would say, um, before COVID started, I was actually working at a at a factory, a chrome plating factory. Hmm. And I had lost that job with COVID, but hmm. I didn't necessarily like that job. And it kind of pushed me to go DJ full time. And that's what I've been doing. And I think Oh, congratulations. Thank you very much. But yeah, I think that's that's how COVID really positively affected me. I was going to try to lose weight, but like most people, I, I failed at that miserably. <laughs> hey, pick your battles. That's right. You had a new yes. career. That's that's correct. One challenge at a time. Be awesome about it. Exactly. So congrats. That's, that's really cool. Do, do you think that, you know, there's there was just that feeling of, well, wait, DJ full time and I'm really putting myself out there. Did you do you think that this sort of, you know, with everything that happened with COVID, it sort of just forced you to be to take that leap of faith that maybe you wouldn't have otherwise? Exactly. I don't think I ever would have quit my other job. I think I it, it just would have the work would have piled on top of each other until eventually. Yeah, I would I would not be that dog anymore and I'd be jumping through the flames. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, I like that, though. I like that this was something that, I mean, it sounds like initially it might have been a terrible thing. I mean, obviously you have COVID, right? But then a lot of people are losing their job. But in a way, it it kind of forced you to focus on your passion, which is music. Right? That's exactly right. Yes. So That's cool. And speaking of flames, I think you have successfully made it through. The Ember Round. Nice. So congratulations. Beautiful. Thank you. I made it. I made it. Ron, Ron normally inserts applause here, but apparently you're not getting applause for this one. Oh. Yeah. Well then. Ron, would, you, weren't, I, you weren't prepared. <laughs> no, it's actually Riverside. I, I was totally ready and queued up with it, so. All right. Well, I'm disappointed. Ron in post will edit in you will right get now. Your, right, in, right now. Applause. You'll, you'll, Lots of applause. I appreciate There'll be that. stadiums of applause. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. So uh, we're going to dive right into first question outside of Ember Round. It's what we call the speed round. Uh, very original name. The whole idea is we're going to give you a topic, an interest, uh, something that relates to you in one way, shape, or form. You have five words or less to convey what it means to you. Uh, we, we have people who just say one word, like, sucks, mm. or that's great, or whatever. You can use up to five, and then we might ask you to elaborate and say, okay, give us the bigger story. Ron and I are going to go back and forth with you. It's a speed round, so don't think too, too long about it. Just give us your, kind of your initial gut reaction. Okay. Does that sound good? That sounds perfect. All right, I'll go first. Idle Wild Park. Childhood Memories. And this was, I, I just want to make sure I, I did a little stalking of you. Uh, this is like a little amusement park where you grew up, right? This is, this is correct. It's uh, and, and it's very nice. It's a very nice kids amusement park. No huge roller coasters or anything like that. And, and we would go there for school retreats. The parents would take us there over summer vacation and whatnot. 
And I remember one time seeing it on the Travel Channel, and it was voted the best kids amusement park in America. Whoa! Yeah, I literally said to my mom, what the heck? Because it's, it's really not that great. <laughs> well, maybe that says what the rest of child amusement parks are. I, I guess yeah, so. It's so low and it's so good there. Either way, you said a lot of great memories, though. So it was it was great, like. great memories, one hundred percent. Very nice. All right, next one: cover bands. <laughs> cover bands. Um, hold on. Let me let me let me think here. Um, talented, but not creative. Mm. And I feel like I can you know, shit on it because I do that myself. <laughs> but you know, I've I've seen cover bands that were just incredible and do such a good job and, and do have their own personality. And then you kind of have just like, you know, the guy who shows up and plays Wonderwall. You know, like yeah, there's exactly. a wide there's a wide breadth. I I think cover bands unfortunately get a bad. Rap, when there are some awesome cover bands. This is true, but unfortunately, there's there's such a, a large wave of people up on that bar stage <laughs> playing Wonderwall that that is my first initial reaction to that statement. <laughs> That's fair. All right, what about this one? Now, keep in mind, I married a woman from Pittsburgh, uh, so I know all about this. Putting French fries on literally everything. Absolutely necessary. <laughs> uh is there like one like particularly strange thing you put french fries on that you're like yeah i do that uh, I, w- I would probably say salad you see it on salads quite a bit you you do do that i, I do do that i shouldn't do that but i do do that yes <laughs> now let me ask you this when because I've, I've never actually seen this done the the, the 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 salad part i've heard about it when when you're do you like you're having a salad i'm envisioning like a, like a house salad with French fries on top, do you add ketchup? No, 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 ranch. It has to be ranch. Oh, okay. So you you dip. The, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, and, and it's mostly French fries. You might be able to find a little bit of iceberg lettuce in couple, there. Couple leaves. Okay. <laughs> Maybe a grape tomato, but it's mostly French fries. Okay. It's the Pittsburgh poutine. That's what I would call it. Mm, I like it. The Pittsburgh incline. Um, the Johnstown incline is better. Mm. Mm. That's actually a really good, like, if you're listening, you have a trip planned to Pittsburgh. Little little fun factoid there. That's right. And for our listeners who maybe aren't familiar with the incline, could you give us a quick little introduction on what that is? Of course. So the incline is just this, this vessel, this bus-sized vessel, that goes up the side of Mount Washington in Pittsburgh. And it, it, it takes you from the south side up to Mount Washington. What, what do you think? It would probably hold maybe 35, 40 people. Something like that. Now, the one in Johnstown is about the same size, but they advertise it as the steepest incline plane in the world. Oh, wow. Which, which That's what it is. And it's really cool because you go up to the top. And I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with Johnstown, Pennsylvania. And well, isn't that where the history of where that the dam broke and exactly yeah. the flood? So you go up to the very top of the incline and you look down and you can just see, you know, where the flood would have happened. It's kind of eerie. It's it's kind of neat. Yeah, but there there's a history there. That's actually really interesting. Yeah, I mean, for those who've never been to Pittsburgh, first you need to go, but number two, just know it's very hilly. I mean, there's not a square inch of flat land in that city. Obviously, I'm kidding, but. It's it's pretty hilly. So there's, you, it, it's funny. It, like your GPS will be like, oh, it's two miles away, but it's forty five minutes to get there. And you're like, what? Yeah, because you got to go over a freaking mountain. Mm-hmm. This is this is at least the non Pittsburgh talking. So my wife had uh, had a job where she worked twelve miles away from where we lived and where her job was, and it took her two hours to get there. <laughs> two hours wow. every day. Yeah, it's nuts. It's nuts. <laughs> Wow. All right. Speaking of things unique to Pittsburgh, what are your thoughts to the Pittsburgh left? Uh, I actually had to look this up. Completely unnecessary and dangerous. 
But yeah, do you know cool. what, I mean, have you, you know what it is? You've experienced it? I, I have, and I didn't even know it was like a thing unique to Pittsburgh. But it's when, yes. you just, when you just wave somebody on when they don't have the right of way. Yes. Now, now this, is, this is, Josh, truly a unique thing to, to Pittsburgh area where, yeah, I mean, you said it right, but it's, it's always usually the first car that, that you'll say, yeah, we'll let the first car turn left in front of the oncoming traffic. Now, as long as everyone knows that's the rules, that's great. That's a great system. The problem is if not everybody knows that's the rules. Pittsburghers like to break the rules when it comes to traffic. And they think they're trying to be nice. But in reality, you're just pissing off the guy behind you. <laughs> As everything's just breaking down and everyone's like, okay, who's going to go? Who's going to go? And you got like a standoff situation going. That's exactly One guy waves and then you're waving yeah. back. And I'm like, no, you go. It's always a weird thing. like. I sometimes even face that with like running where it's like, I'm about to like cross like a, an intersection and somebody's like, Oh no, no, you go. And I'm like, trust me, I'm not going that fast. It's not going to interrupt my day. <laughs> just go. And then, so I'll intentionally like try to go around them on the back. So they're just like, I'm like, just, just seriously, don't mind me. Just you go. Well, next so. time you run up on a guy like that, <laughs> where are you from? Pittsburgh. <laughs> Maybe that's what I need to ask. <laughs> All right. Wiz Khalifa. Um, not my cup of tea. <laughs> and that's fair, but come on, black and yellow, that like put Pittsburgh on the international map. This is true. And I actually used to live like two miles away from where he recorded that music video. Oh, cool. I don't know if you've ever really? seen it. He's on top of like, like a quickie mart or something like that. Mm-hmm. Singing black and yellow. Yeah. I, I lived really close to that. And we were driving past it one day. I was like. That's in the Wiz Khalifa video. <laughs> but yeah, he's cool. I, re- I respect him wholeheartedly. But yeah, it's not I'm, your. It's not my cup of tea, no. Fair enough. Sure. And last question of the speed round pierogies. Mrs. T's are. Oh, wait, that's not under five. Mrs. T's better than homemade. Unpopular opinion. Wow, I, I would think there's some Polish people listening right now. They're going to be pissed. Who are very upset with you. <laughs> but Mrs. T is, like, admittedly, those are some darn good pierogies. If you don't, like, I, I've never made a, a real pierogi. Oh, I've, I, I've cooked the Mrs. No T's, but those are good. Yeah, I totally agree. I'm just saying, I'm sure those are fighting words to somebody, not Ron and Nate. A hundred percent. Somebody. So I'm not originally My wife, from maybe. the Pittsburgh. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm close from originally closer to the Johnstown Ligonier area. Yeah. Mm. So I, I guess, and there wasn't too many pierogies out that way, which is really weird because it's mm-hmm. only 50 miles from the Berg. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. So Fair. I like Mrs. T's better. That's your pass. That's your pass. They were always on sale. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't beat that. You can't. Right. All right. Hey, switching gears now. Uh, I, I do want to. This is this is a relatively quick question, but I want to get into your music passion. Ron and I really want to get into the meat and potatoes and pierogies, and pierogies. of 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 uh, of kind of what makes you tick. So I know you grew up in a musical family. Can you quickly name off? Just quickly name off all the instruments that you not necessarily proficient in, but you can dabble with. Yeah, um, I did grow up in a very musical family. Mom, um, I learned the piano at a very early age my mom forced me to take lessons at age five which in retrospect i'm very glad that she did uh picked up a guitar around the age of 12 bought a mandolin played around with that ukulele banjo bass drums a little bit of cello but not i'm not good at it at all Mm -hmm. and then there might be more, but I'm Wait. not sure. And what then the little the theremin, maybe the theremin. <laughs> Just gotta have that in there for some weird sound effects. Uh, and then, and then I would say the DJing is an instrument. I would yeah, say that is. Yeah, and I'm just now learning that, but yeah, it 100 percent is. Yeah. So okay, so that's nine. That's nine. 
It's pretty wow. good. Yeah, it's fun. Which, which <laughs> it's like a hobby. You pick up one string instrument. You want to learn them all, you know, but you never really. It's like Pokemon. It's like Pokemon. That's right. My son would agree. And that way, too, if you ever want to, like, you know, self-compose something, man, you got all the tracks. You can do it all, which that's pretty cool. Well, I think that's why I really did pick up a bunch of musical instruments, because I did write my own music. And one mm-hmm. of, I would have never thought to play a cello, but I wrote a song that I was like, this song needs cello. So I bought a cello and I learned how to play how to play cello. Cello. <laughs> Duh, this needs a cello. That, that's what I sorry. I got I got bad jokes. No, that's perfect. I love bad jokes. All right. So after learning all of that, and at some point, right, using all of those musical talents, you joined some original bands, and we talked about cover bands too, and then you toured parts of the Midwest. Right. What was that experience like? Uh, it was. It was uh, interesting sleeping on other people's floors. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's sure. a hoot. It, it was a hoot. Yes, it was. I think it was. I went on tour one time, and it was in like December, and I remember sleeping on this one guy's floor with my buddy Justin and my now wife Cassandra, and mm-hmm. he was heating his apartment with a stove, like he had the stove open. <laughs> oh, and it was us and two other bands just in this one. I don't know, 10 by 10 room. It was very, very awkward. Yeah, as long as but you didn't memorable. get sick. Yeah. <laughs> I did not get sick. See? All you got is good memories. That's then. right. See, these are the pains that when you, you know, when you go to your local, your local bar and there's live music and you're like, oh, cool, I'm enjoying this. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes. They're sleeping on some nasty floor somewhere without heating. <laughs> you know, like, so, so you gotta, you gotta pay respects to these people, uh, which I, I do have to ask you about that. Cause I do love, not as much as I used to, but I love to go listen to, you know, go to a random bar and there's like a random guy on a, on a, on a guitar or a guitarist and, you know, a, a drum, right. And that's it, right. These little small groups or whatever, and these tiny little bars, what are some, some do's and don'ts that patron patrons might not be thinking about? I mean, the first that came to my head is like, don't, don't scream free bird. But I always hear someone say it. So like, what else is there? Uh, well, the free bird thing I embrace because I like playing that song. You embrace it. So you're like, yeah, I'll give you free bird. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Just, oh, okay, you, cool. you get it. Just, you're being a Play jerk. It pretty for Atlanta. It, so I'm going to, I'm going to sing it to you right now. I know you don't really want to hear that song. <laughs> um, the other don't I would say is, is, don't try to talk to a band that's currently like singing. <laughs> so, like if I'm on, mm. I'm on the microphone, there's always one drunk guy. How long you been playing the guitar? And I'm singing Sister Golden Hair. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like not the right time, dude. Not the right time. Get out of here. Makes sense. Well, we we talked to a uh, comedian who's actually from the Pittsburgh area earlier this season, and he was also similarly saying, "Don't don't heckle the comedians." Like. Because especially if you're up on stage, even the people that think that they're contributing in a way, it's like, no, I'm here to do my show. Yes, there is some times where it may make sense, but more often than not, all you're going to do is just throw things off and it doesn't really help anybody. So, yeah. And that guest, for anyone listening, was Seneca Stone. And one of the things that that came up, exactly what Ron said, is like, I know you think like you're not like not heckling to be negative, like you're 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 trying to engage with me. And like trying to think this is a bit, but yeah. more often than not, you're just throwing off the rhythm of, of my set. So I could see how that would be a problem for comedians. That would be rough. Yeah. yeah. So out, outside of Freebird, what would you say when you, when, at least when you were, uh, you know, playing cover songs and I think you still do it, but when you were really doing it more frequently, what would you say are the most requested songs that you get? Probably. Unfortunately, Brown Eyed Girl, Sweet Caroline, and um, Wagon Wheel. Oh, Wagon Wheel. Yeah, all the yeah. songs That's that a guilty pleasure think. of mine, though. Yeah, yeah, everybody kind of likes Wagon Wheel. Yeah. Or do you, like, absolutely love Wagon Wheel? I, you know, when, when it came out in, like, 2012 or whatever, I really liked it. Uh, I'm kind of over it now. But it was, I'm not going to lie, it was... 
one of my go-to karaoke songs for a little while. Because I knew all the ladies, when I was in my early 20s, all the ladies got up and started. I was, I'm was i not a good singer, but they all got excited about that song. And I'm like, I like it. <laughs> That's true. Um, which which version was it? Was it the Darius Rucker or the Old Crow? I I like Darius Rucker. Okay. But, but you know, I, I like them both. I'm a big Hootie guy. Hootie's great. Yeah. Except for him being a Dolphins fan, but I'll get over it. <laughs> I didn't even know that. All right, it's the, over. The I'm done with cry. I'm done with Hootie. <laughs> All right, what are some things the average person doesn't understand about traveling musicians? Um, like you said, probably they don't know that you're sleeping on the floor. <laughs> and I, whenever I did go on tour, I was mostly playing for like little punk rock venues. So nice. we might have gotten paid like. $40 a night, not even enough to cover oh, gas. God. It was more for the experience Jeez. than anything. Yeah. Well, yeah. with that too, so when you are at a show like that, what merch should I be buying to help you guys out the most? Well, I'm not even sure because that was like 10 years ago. If they even sell CDs anymore? Wait, 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 what's a CD? Exactly. I think they're actually coming back. Compact discs. I heard some day the other day they were saying that CDs are actually starting to go up in sales again. <laughs> and I think it's like some weird – I want to say it's like Adele released her new album on CD. And CD sales are up like 200% over the past two years or something ridiculous. That would suck because I don't even know who ha- – like I do not have a CD player. I wouldn't yeah. even be able to play it. I'd have to go buy a CD player. <laughs> well, well, that was the thing. I remember actually I was at a show with Alex. Um, we saw this band called The Snails. Um, and yeah. They were cool, but I remember trying to buy some of their music or a CD, and they were like, well, we've got you know our vinyl. Like You can buy it, it's on vinyl, but otherwise, if you want to, here's a slip of paper, and you can go here and listen to our music. And I was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll do that. I'll buy the vinyl as well, just because I want to give them something, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah. So. I, I'm sure cool. they're probably not making too much money selling t-shirts and whatnot. I never, I never really did anything like that. I just had the CD when I... When yeah, I, I think... I, I assume that the merch, like shirts, are really only profitable when you're making them at significant volume, right? Like if yeah. you're going to see Lady Gaga and they're making millions of these shirts, like, yeah, the cost per unit's got to be like pennies. But yeah, for your average person, like who's only making, you know, 20 or 40 of these shirts, I can't imagine you're making that much money on. Uh, my first band that I was in, we used to we would buy shirts and we had a stencil and we would spray paint them and so oh <laughs> shit, <laughs> which is I could see that working though, especially with like punk rock venues, right? Exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just never wash them. Never wash them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the punk rock vibe, you know. Don't put them in with your whites. Yeah, it'll come <laughs> out and it'll do a whole effect. It'll change all of your other clothes. Um. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, so Josh, we're going to go to break. When we come back, we're going to dive right into your DJing career. And, uh, you know, I want to talk about the wedding that you performed at, a.k.a. my wedding. And then we're going to talk a little bit more about what you kind of do on the side with your own music. What do you enjoy doing when you're not performing for others? So we will be right back. Sounds great. We hope you're enjoying this episode so far. Wanted to let you know that if you ever need to reach out to Alex or myself, feel free to email us at between at two studs.com. Again, that's between at two studs.com. We'll get right back to the program. Enjoy. All right. Welcome back to Between Two Studs. We're hanging out with DJ Cruz is how I got to know him. Uh, so you talked about earlier, you were in a lot of cover bands. You were in some original bands. You wrote some of your own music. At some point, you picked up the turntable and began DJing. What type of events have you DJed for? Uh, besides my wedding. <laughs> well, that was the most important one, of course. Of course. <laughs> now, I've done corporate events, um, car shows, weddings, bar gigs, pretty much all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Big stuff, there, little stuff. Is, is there uh, kind of a, a vibe difference? I assume there must be. Right. In terms of your audience, like how do you what's your thought process when when you're going into a gig? Yeah, each gig is different. I mean, some gigs you go in there knowing you're just going to press the play button, 
to mm-hmm. some Matchbox 20 and, <laughs> and whatnot. Other gigs, they're going to want EDM all night. And so you're actually behind the table working your butt off all night, mm-hmm. pushing the play button 20 times in a minute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think what was what was so great for for our wedding, and I mean this sincerely, is you you did a great job of playing to our crowd. And I don't know if you listened to the episode, but we had a guest on a few weeks ago, um, Dr. Andy Howard. And he was at the wedding, and he specifically called you out. He didn't remember your name, of course, but he said, he said, what I was so impressed with at your wedding, Alex, it stands out. I'm paraphrasing, of course. He says, everyone was on the dance floor. Everyone was up. Everyone was dancing. And I said, you know, I, I said, I need to have him on the show, one. But number two, I was like, you know, I sort of had some theories to what you were doing. It seemed like from my end, and again, I was drinking my wedding, but it seemed like what you were doing, which I thought was really creative, which was you were kind of combining the lyrics from 60s and 70s music, but you had like a beat of very modern music. So I felt like the older crowd was happy to be up there because they could sing along, but then you had the younger people who could dance and move, and I thought that was that was pretty creative and pretty clever, and, and obviously it was successful. I mean, how do you work through that? Yeah, that, that's one of the things I like to do. Uh, so we get most of our music from DJ pools. Most DJs get them from, from DJ pools, where you pay a monthly fee, and there's a whole bunch of different remixes you can download, and just the ones that catch your eye are the ones that you'll download, and you'll put them in this crate. It's essentially a set list that you know will work for a certain block. So, like, say you went into... The, the Loyalty Portal, which is the company I work for, Loyalty yeah. Entertainment. Mm-hmm. And you say you wanted 70s music. I'll be like, okay, I have a 70s crate. So I'll pick that up, pull it over, put in a couple modern beats in there. Definitely all the 70s bangers that you want to hear. And that's that's pretty much how we would build the set list throughout the night. And, and just based off of our bride meeting and and our your personality... It's a shot in the dark, really. You're hoping that it'll work, and most of the time it does. But really, I think what was so important was that you guys as a couple were so cool, and the guests at that wedding were so cool. It was just super easy. I could have played that entire night at another wedding, and it wouldn't have worked. Hmm. Even if they liked, you know, 70s, 80s, 90s stuff. Even if they like that, they just if they don't want to dance, they're not going to dance. Yeah. You, you just got to play to the crowd, you know? That's got to definitely be like one of those hard things, too, where I'm sure, too, even like the night of the week, depending on where people are at, I'm sure that that plays a big thing. And especially, too, where I'm sure you've seen it, too, where you have like certain people who are just like, you know what, I'm going to go out and dance, even if nobody's up there. And then before you know it, the dance floor is full. Uh, mm-hmm. If you don't have those people that are in the right place at the right time, that can definitely cause problems. But what do you do in situations where like people just aren't getting into it? Like, how do you react in those cases? Um, sometimes if they're not getting into it, they're just not going to get into it. And then, I mean, you'll look around the room and you'll see people mouthing the words and singing along. And that's just the kind of vibe that it is just laid back and chill. Mm-hmm. And you just accept it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. As a DJ, you don't ever want that to happen, but sometimes it does. Um, of course, you want to pull a couple of things out of your back pocket to try to turn it around, like line dances and whatnot. Anything you would think a DJ would do to get people on the dance floor. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, you know, one of the things you brought up before was was the, the call that we had beforehand, which was, yeah, a couple of weeks before, you and my wife and I, we got on a call. We went through this, like, the absolute must plays. We had the, like, absolutely do not play we had like sort of like the vibe we were going for and fortunately in our case it worked but have you run in the situations where you have that bride call and they're the ones paying you and you get out there and pretty quickly you're like yeah what they told me uh is not jiving with this crowd like i'm like what do you do in that situation are you like well, they're paying me i gotta go with it or are you like listen i might have to pivot because my job is to get people dancing. Like, what do you do in that situation? If it's bad, I would go talk to the bride and groom. Okay. But nine chances out of ten, I would 
probably just play the list that they gave me, which, I mean, your guests are going to a wedding. They know what they're getting themselves into. They're going to dance. It would be devastating if if something like, like that were to happen and people just didn't dance because, I mean, you know you're giving that DJ songs that the bride and groom want to hear, so essentially, what yeah, I would either talk to the bride and groom or I would just get all their songs out of the way super quick and then go to the bangers. <laughs> well, and it was great because when, when, when it comes to my wedding, you know, there was a couple moments where I could tell, like there was a couple pivotal songs that are always played at every wedding of Ron and I've talked about this on before on our mother's side, big family. If I don't know if I, I don't assume you'd remember this, but like New York, New York is a hit. I do remember that. that has yes. to be played. And I remember my mom at one point came up to me and was like, Hey, certain people are, are you know, the older crowd, they're starting to get tired. And I was like, cool. I came up to you, you put it on and immediately everyone's on the dance floor. And so it was just like, <laughs> Boom, right? Like, it was just sort of like, you just every once in a while, you just got to keep things moving. And, um, but I imagine it's, it's as much as you are playing and preparing, there has to be just as much looking and seeing what are people doing. As you just said, looking, are they singing along? Are they not? I imagine this game, like, it, it requires like a psych degree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I, maybe not a psych degree, but and, and then people people like you, Alex, make it super easy. I, I have one memory of your wedding, where we went into this little rock and roll block, and it, it was like an emo block, and people were getting into it. So I went into what's my age again, but the background music was Megan the Stallion. Okay, <laughs> so, so it was I was like I was gonna go and do a little hip hop thing. And I remember looking at you, and you just went like this. You went. (laughs) There's a photo. There's a photo of that. There is a photo of that. And I was like, we're going to get out of this right now. Turn, change the song. (laughs) But, you know, I remember that. And it was actually, it was, it was, it was perfect. In that, in that, like, yeah, Megan Thee Stallion is probably not my preferred artist. But people were going with it. People were having fun, and again, I think what you did was was you were able to put on beats by Megan Thee Stallion. Maybe not the lyrics, uh, because some of the older crowd definitely, uh, yeah, a wet ass pussy and all. That's probably probably. <laughs> I don't know about other weddings, but probably my wedding. That's a little vulgar. It was um, not that vibe at your wedding, one hundred percent. But but uh, you know, there's definitely some warrant to some modern beats, and I thought you. you played that really well Mm. well what i am saying is whenever you gave me that look i very much appreciated that because it made my job easier (laughs) (laughs) oh that's awesome i didn't have to read the room that time there was some immediate feedback (laughs) well that's such a tough thing too because i feel like at weddings you've also got so much going on where, yeah, you have people who are like, hey, I just want to go get the food or I want to go get the drinks or I just want to talk. And it's so tough because you've got great music. You want to have a good time on the dance floor. And it, as Alex said, it's got to be like a bit of a psychology, kind of like you're reading the minds to try to figure out like what's grooving, what's not. And you did an awesome job that night. Um, so thank you so much for being there. Thank but, you, Ron. Yeah. Uh, next question for you, though, is what what do you like to listen to? Like, what's what's your jam? Um, I dabble with some punk rock and some yeah. ska. Ska's my favorite. Heck yeah. So yeah. you got to tell us, uh, give us some bands because we will know them. Uh, the Mighty Mighty Boston is my favorite yep. band. I, I've seen them at least three times. Have you yep. really? They're I saw them. Great live. I, I saw them on Dickie Barrett's 50th birthday in Boston. Uh, Scott, so so <laughs> I, we didn't even talk about this ever. Uh, not even during the wedding planning, because I didn't want any Scott music at the wedding. But Ron is eight years older than me. So, I, yeah, I don't know if you could tell that. But I'm the youngest, and he's the oldest <laughs> uh, in the in the family. And um, so Ron, you know, I, I was eight years old. I'm looking I'm looking at Ron as, you know, he's the, he's the quintessential I'm going to learn from him. And whatever he likes, I think is cool. And mm. so he introduced me to Real Big Fish, Less Than Jake, Mighty Mighty Boston. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There Beautiful. we go. Look at that. Is that the pillow you sleep with every night? 
Maybe. <laughs> no, this was this was a T-shirt that I got at a real big fish show, and um, that was just it was starting to kind of go down, and uh, my wife was like, "Well, don't throw it out. I'll make a pillow out of it." So she made a pillow out of it, and I got that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, but yeah, we totally love ska. Um, so I'm sorry, I got excited. I got excited. I interrupted you. <laughs> you talk about when someone talks about ska, especially now, like in 2022, yeah. people are like, "Oh, wait, that mid '90s thing." Like, and they might not even know that, right? So I get excited. You keep thinking maybe it'll make a comeback, and it just never does fully, unfortunately. It's 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 all the checkers that scares people, but you just that gotta must go be what with it. it. Is. You just gotta go with it. Embrace it. Do you ever get people skanking at at, at a weddings? Like, do you do you ever get anyone requesting ska music, and they're like out there? I have yet to have a ska couple. Uh, oh I, I get God. some. The closest thing I get to that is I get some emo couples. Okay. Where they, they get real into like all time low and, and <laughs> you know, my chemical romance and stuff like that. Which that's fun too. I, sure. I enjoy that kind of stuff. But I am waiting for the day that, you know, a couple wants some real big fish or hell, give me less, some flogging Molly or something like that. Less than Jake, be... you know? Street yeah, Light Manifesto actually, would be good. Street Light Manifesto would be fantastic. I was yeah. just telling Ron. Josh, before you got on, uh, before you know we started recording, that this Friday, and I know this isn't going to air until after it, but this Friday I'm literally seeing uh, Less Than Jake and the Aquabats opening yeah. randomly for um, Bowling for Soup. So the three of them oh are, are traveling, and I'm like, and like they're playing like a, like a couple miles from where I live, and I'm like, whatever, like that sounds fun. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, the the Aquabats. They're a As great a teenager, show. They were probably my favorite band. Oh my god! Have you ever been to an Aquabat show? I have not been to an Aquabat right, show. Right. Oh, they're Listen, fun. Do yourself a favor. <laughs> Find out when they're coming to Pittsburgh and and bring your kids because they maybe not the two year old. Wait until they're a little bit older. But like it's totally PG. Yep. And and they dress up in these like their whole garb, and then like in the middle of their. Of, of when they're playing songs like these monsters will come Kaiju. out and, mon- and they're Kaiju like monsters and they're like nah. doing karate chops and like fighting these like giant uh stuffed animals and oh then God, and then they and then amazing. and they teach everyone these like these different like um yeah, uh, like, like back calls i think they call it the back call and, and yeah. the point is everyone doesn't matter if you're four years old or you're 40 years old everyone is having a blast uh, and I highly recommend. I've seen them one time with you, Ron. I highly yes. <laughs> recommend seeing the Aquabats. That's fantastic. Didn't they have a kids show at one point? They did. No Gabba Gabba. That was their show. Well, no, they also did another show uh, with the Aquabats um, that you can also watch too. Uh, it was a live action show, and there actually were some comment or there was some like uh, animated sections of it too. I tried to get my oh. daughter into it, but she wasn't. But. Well, but Yo Gabba Gabba, which was a very famous show, that was created right. by the lead singer. Yep. of the aquabats and that's i forget insane. his name but yeah, yeah and they had the aquabats on one of the episodes um that's hilarious so, i didn't know that mm-hmm. yep another so, fun aquabats fact what i believe travis barker was actually in that band as well yes at the yes. Very beginning. He, he was the original drummer and in fact that's why he has a ska tattoo the, the checkers that's why yep. he was he was one of the he was the original drummer and is this in the 90s and they, the Aquabats were opening up for Blink-182. And if I remember correctly, and someone on, on this, you know, Wikipedia this would prove me wrong or something, but if I remember correctly, the, the original drummer of Blink-182 was sick that night or something happened, and they were like, can you play this set? Because you're already the opening drummer. And he did it, and they were like, that guy. Uh, do you want to keep dressing up in costume, or do you want to be the drummer for Blink-182? And I don't blame. They so went from the Aquabats <laughs> to Kim Kardashian. Oh my gosh! It's such a small world. What a life that guy's had. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now, next question too. So, when it comes to music, there is an artist, and I know some people might get even think that's a controversial term with girl talk. What are your thoughts about girl talk? Yeah, oh, that, this is the other question I needed to ask you guys about what 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 is girl talk oh no so way. girl talk 
is a mashup artist from Pittsburgh area, right? And he did uh, two good albums. There was uh, Feed the Animals. Um, what's the other one? I'm trying to think of the other one. Feed the Animals is my favorite. So, so Josh, yeah. YouTube him tonight when, when, you, when we're done this. You'll probably recognize some of his – what he did, does, did, I don't know, I yeah. think is really cool. He will take like um, what a DJ does in many ways. He'll take samples from like Chicago, 1970s brass – and then throw it behind like Stacy's mom's acoustic, and then throw mm-hmm. in uh, Beyonce lyrics, right? Or wh- whatever, right? Like, and, right. and and it's a whole album of of just mashups of of this mashup. He's a Pittsburgh artist, and Ron's right. And this is why I wanted to ask you because a lot of As people, a DJ. well, yeah. a lot of people are like, you shouldn't have to pay. Back in the day when people used to buy albums, right? People were like, you shouldn't have to. A, to listen to someone who samples music. And so th- there's this whole controversy of like, well, if you sample a bunch of artists together, is that new music? Is that just recycling old music? What is that? What is that? <laughs> right? It's a, it's, a, it's a philosophical question. Yeah, th- this, is, this is true. I'm just, I can't stop laughing at the fact that <laughs> I don't know what Pittsburgh Native Girl Talk is. And I literally Googled this before the podcast. And all I could find was a bunch of Pittsburgh girls talking in like their native tongue. <laughs> That's I hate to really go downtown to get out some insurance policy for for Betsy down there at the thing. Like that—that's what I saw on YouTube when I googled Pittsburgh native girl talk. Oh, I—I I would have just assumed. Uh, I would assume know. there was a board game I want to say back in the day called Girl Talk. I, and I think that was possibly there was some kind of I forget the tie there, but but yeah, be sure to check him out. Um, <laughs> I definitely will. Yeah, that's really funny. That's hilarious. So so, what are your thoughts? To I mean, I know you're a DJ by trade, so I assume you're going to have an opinion. But but you know, I think there is a lot of there is a lot of I don't want to say controversy, but thoughts to like yeah, when he was releasing music. In fact. I know I'm interrupting myself, but I'm pretty sure that one of his albums, he even put on his website and said, you pay me what you think this is worth. And and some people would say, I'm not going to pay you anything. Like This is sampled music. You didn't do anything. You have no skill. I'm, I'm just going to, I want nothing. I'm going to give you nothing. And then other people were like, I'm going to pay you 20 bucks. And it was just really interesting because, yeah, what is it? What, what's sort of your take without having listened to Girl Talk, but you understand the idea of sampling and mixing songs and mashups. What's kind of your thoughts? Yeah. As a DJ that's still learning how to do that kind of stuff. Um, I, I would, I would think it, it's still an artistic thing. You're, you're still taking something and making it your own. You're taking beats from a different song and taking lyrics from a different song and the hi hat from a different song and just making it something new. But yeah, I mean, you're you're still a musician. I, I would say you would you should definitely be paid for what you're doing in your mother's basement. <laughs> and and you know, I'm not a musician in any capacity, so I have no authority to say this. But I I do agree with you. And in fact, what I think has made artists like Girl Talk so important culturally is I know personally for me, listening to Girl Talk, I was introduced to bands. Because I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I really like that, whatever, that that beat or what whatever's the lyrics. I really like that. And then all of a sudden you find out, oh, well, that was actually Diana Ross in 1967. And you're like, <laughs> I'm in high school. I don't even know who that is, right? And, and so I, I have to say I've been directly introduced to the original artist let alone girl talk and so i I think there's a there's a level of for me i think there's a great thing about sampling as long as you acknowledge the origin right which i think girl talk is very open about right i think you can go on girl talk and it will tell you within every track all of the artists that were sampled yeah, it's just a different form of, of art. It's a different form of, of making music. And I, I think 
today it's becoming more accepted. Especially, I don't know if you guys scroll TikTok at all, but I think every other video that I see on that app is somebody doing, maybe it's because I'm a DJ, but a lot of it is DJs doing samples and mashups and you'll sit there and watch the video because it's it's interesting it, it's it's something that you've sat down and thought out and it sounds good together yeah i think it's cool and i'm not a tiktoker but i do think it's <laughs> cool that tiktok while we're on that topic has brought back songs like songs that have never been heard by a 15 year old and I'm, of course i'm generalizing and saying the average age of a tiktoker is 15 i know that's not true but taking people who have never heard these these artists never even knew the song existed and all of a sudden they're listening to i think there's a song called fame it's like a 1980s song that all of a sudden is super popular right now it's like wow like that's that's a 42 year old song it's like having mm -hmm. a renaissance i think that's fantastic yeah, he's been seeing that a, a lot lately. There's this one song, Running Up the Hill, I think it's called, Stranger Things. Yep. Yeah, yeah, Stranger Things made it super popular again. It's on the radio every time I get in the car. Yeah. Well, now you also have like some other artists who uh, maybe would have a, a song that's new, it's contemporary, that you would never expect to get you know, widestream play. Like, I don't know, uh, Jiggle Jiggle by Louis Thoreau. Like, you're like how much went into that but yet how many videos have you seen with it in it too and you're like well i kind of got to keep listening to it right similar type of thing too so it's really kind of cool how i think in some ways it's also democratizing a lot of music out there in ways that probably wouldn't normally experience it yeah maybe that would be a good thing for the music industry yeah and it's it's, it's interesting because it's, it's not only democratizing music i would say it's democratizing art hmm. um as as a as a as a totality Right. I mean, these creative skits that people are doing. I mean, there's people who are professionally and I, I'm on Instagram, so I see everything that's like two weeks old. I feel like everything that's on <laughs> my I'll see things and I'll share with my wife. And she's like, Alex, I saw this on TikTok two weeks ago. So it's like it's like a two week delay. But I'll see things on on Instagram and I'm like, this is this guy or these two people, whatever. They're hilarious. They could be on SNL. Right. And, and maybe that is the future. Maybe SNL will will be stealing people based on them literally Stop. uploading a video on their phone from wherever they are. Right. They didn't have to spend years in the clubs working their way up like you had to 25 years ago to even have a shot at SNL. They'll save a lot of money in gas. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> yeah, you never have to you never have to leave your apartment. <laughs> you don't have to leave. Yeah. So, uh, listen, we're coming to time, but it's been an absolute delight, Josh, having you on. And I and I do want to call out anyone, and I'm not being paid for this, I promise, anyone who's in the Pittsburgh area, if you need a DJ, DJ Cruz is your guy. Uh, fantastic. We had such a wonderful time having you as, as our wedding DJ. Please, for everyone listening, how can they get a hold of you? How can they follow you? How can they know what you're doing? Uh, they can follow me on Instagram, DJ Cruzy Cruz PA. It's a long one, of course. We'll um, link to it. Ever... Mm -hmm. Yes, please. I'll, I'll send you that in an email. You can look up the company that I work for, Loyalty Entertainment. I believe that the website is loyaltyentertains.com. Um, if you ever want to book us for a wedding or a corporate event, I want to give a shout out to Manny Solano, my, my ex boss who set me up with this company three years ago. It's been a great ride. Yeah, that's, that's about it. Instagram loyaltyentertains.com. You can find me on Facebook. If you're a Facebooker <laughs> type in awesome. my name, I guess. <laughs> so we'll put, we'll put the links uh, into the episode description. So be sure to click that out. Check that out. All right. Well, I have right. to say, Josh, this has been a pleasure. As Alex mentioned, we loved the wedding that you helped with last year. So thank you so much. It's always going to hold a special place in our family's hearts and, of course, Alex and Hannah. But it's also been a pleasure to have you on the podcast, and we, we look forward to hearing from you soon in the future. Hey, thank you, Ron. Alex, keep me in mind when you have your 10-year 
anniversary <laughs> reception, please. Yes, Heck absolutely. Yeah. I don't know where I'll be in nine years, but we'll find a way to get to Pittsburgh. You'll be there. <laughs> Sounds great. Even Listen, if you're not DJing, you're going to be there as a guest. That, that sounds good. Hey, I will finally try Malort. Yes. <laughs> you know, you, so I'm giving you a nine-year, you know, notice, right? You work your way you up. Right now, you have nine years to mentally prepare for. I will, I'll be prepared by then. I'll start drinking warm wood tea in preparation. <laughs> awesome. Hey, again, thank you so much. And that concludes episode 48. Thank you.